0: It's really good to see all of you today. If you're a guest, I'm David. I'm the pastor. It's good to have you with us. We're in a series uh, this September entitled "The Life and Times of Jesus." What we're doing is we're uh, coming to the first chapter of the Gospel of Mark, and we're we're looking at Jesus said in the context of the world in which he came. Sometimes we have this habit, I think, of just looking at Jesus through the lens of our eyes. We know things occurred a long time ago, but we see it from our perspective, and we fail sometimes to grasp and see it from the culture and the context of which Jesus came, which can give us some great insight into in our Lord. And so here's the thing that I want you to get from the sermon series in September. It's really this. Society and culture, including Judaism, had never experienced anyone like Jesus, who he was and what he did, challenged their world. He was a challenge to the world in which they live. And that's just as true today as it was back then. Who is Jesus? And uh, how does he impact my life? That's what we've got to ask ourselves. Who is Jesus? Who are he really, is, he, is he really? And how does he impact We are. So we're in in, in this series, and and today we're coming uh, to the third message. uh, Jesus came preaching the gospel of God. It's found in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. You can turn there, it's going to pop up on the screen. Here's what it says Now, after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God. And he's saying, The time is fulfilled, the kingdom is at hand or is near. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent, he says. And believe in the gospel. So here's the thing today that I want you to see from this message. I think it will be helpful to you. In all of human history, in all of the history of humanity, Jesus came at a very specific and very special point, moment in time. And he proclaimed and he preached about a very special and specific moment in time. The moment that you must trust him your life. He came in a very special moment. He preached about a special moment, and that moment he preached about is the moment you and I must trust him with our life. In many ways, we live for the special moments of life. They're the ones that carry great significance to us. Uh, when I went to college, you know, I went there looking forward to the time that I would graduate. I took a lot of classes like you. I took some of them several times, uh, you know, took a lot of tests. But the highlight, the moment that mattered most in all of college was when I graduated. You know, when Debbie and I started dating, there were some special moments, there were special times, we fell in love, but the moment that matters most in our life is the moment that we got married. Those moments matter to us. In fact, we might say this. In many ways, we mark the value and the success of our life by the special moments of life. Think about it. We tend to mark the value of our life and the success or failure of our life by those special moments so that if you have a job and uh, you get a promotion, and you become a CEO or a vice president of that job or whatever, you, you tend to mark the value and success of your life that way. Conversely, if, by chance, comes a point where you get dismissed from your place of employment for whatever reason, you look at that moment as something that you mark a time, maybe a failure, some setback. We look at those moments. And that was true. It's always been true of you in history. And back in Christ's day, uh, the, the Jewish people, they were looking for the moment when the messiah would come. And the moment when the messiah would come in the way they thought back then, he would establish the kingdom of God and the Jewish people would reign and they would rule forever. Now, as I've shared already in the last couple of weeks and I'm talking about the context and I'm not going to go into great detail this week. If you're your first time here or if you haven't been in a couple of weeks, I'll briefly want to share this. Some of you have short-term memory loss, maybe from special moments in the 60s and 70s, I don't know. So I kind of want to share this again with you. If you go back to, some of you are going, why well, is smart? Yeah, I told you that, come back to haunt you. But if you go into the Old Testament, and what you see in, in, in there with the Jewish people is they had a very special relationship with God. It was a relationship. They were his people. He was their God. He was going to bless the whole world through them, but he was going to bless the whole world. And he gave them Ten Commandments. And those commandments expressed how they were to live as a people of faith. It wasn't so that they might become people of faith. They were already people of faith. That's how they might live. Well, you come to the New Testament, and so much of that has changed. And once you have the New Testament, you have, you have people, groups that you've never heard of inside the Jewish community. You have Pharisees, and, and you have scribes, and you have Herodians and Sadducees. They're not in the Old Testament. You have the synagogue. They're not in the Old Testament. And once you really come, when you see the Jews in the New Testament time, The faith is gone, and what it's become is a system of works. They took ten commandments that expressed faith, and they came up with 613 rules, regulations, rituals, whatever you want to call them, that they had to do in order to become right with God, in order to become righteous. See, God said, you're my people. I will make you righteous. Live this way. They said, we live this way, and we make ourselves righteous. It was a self-righteousness. And in that, they came up with this concept of the kingdom of God the way they saw it. Now, in the Old Testament, you don't really see anything about the kingdom of God. God's kingdom is his people. That's how it's kind of understood. Uh, and, and kingdom, when you think about kingdom, in, in our culture, in our mind, we tend to think of a place where people rule. You know, we think of the king or the queen of England. She has territory and land, you know, that she rules. We think of, we think of, of the realm. But really, the idea of kingdom would be more uh, the idea of people, the people you rule over. We must understand from the totality of time, God is always the king. And his kingdom is everything he has created. He rules all of it ultimately. But from a human perspective, he does allow time for rebellion. And in that time of rebellion, there are people who have rebelled against the Lord. And they are not what we would call part of his kingdom in the sense that they give glory and honor to him. Those who are a part of God's kingdom are those who have a faith relationship with him. But kingdom is understood really in terms of the rule of God. Well, the Jews had taken the concept of kingdom. And they had taken it and they turned it into something that had to do with them and their righteousness. And what they came up with was this idea that God was going to establish a kingdom, a ruling reign, a realm of people in a geopolitical area. And they would, for all eternity, Reign with the Lord. And your status in that kingdom was dependent upon your self righteousness, the rules and regulations you kept. All Jews were a part of the kingdom. For the more righteous you were, the greater your standing in the kingdom. And the kingdom would become through a Messiah. A Messiah would come, build up an army, defeat the Romans, establish the kingdom. When Jesus came, he completely changed that concept. In fact, if you read what he said in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, what he really tells them is this in the Sermon on the Mount. He says the kingdom is like nothing the the, the Jewish leader says it is. It's nothing like that. In fact, he says, and when he prayed the model prayer, he said, Father, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. There is a heavenly kingdom of God. That's what will happen on earth. He told us in Matthew 6.33, pray and seek his kingdom and his righteousness. Not your kingdom, not your righteousness. His is something different, and Jesus establishes what that is. It's back to being the relationship it always should be. And so you, you come, and when we come to this, this passage in verse 14, it says Jesus had come into the area, to the region of Galilee. That was his home area. And in coming, now, what happens between verse 13 and 14, we just read through Mark. He said, okay, it was in the wilderness. When he was through with the wilderness, he came to Galilee. Actually, between verse 13 and 14 in chapter 1, about hundred a I mean, hundred years, about a year had passed. A hundred years had passed. A year had passed. I had no idea why I came over the hundred. A year had passed. If you go to the Gospel of John, John 1, 2, 3, and 4, you see that Jesus, after he was baptized by the Baptist, John the Baptist, he called a few guys to kind of follow him in general. Next week we'll see something about a specific calling of his followers. He had, he had gone into to Cana and, and he had the wedding feast when he, when he turned the water into grape juice, because we're Baptists, we don't believe in wine. But he turned the water into wine, and then, you know, he goes down into. To, the Passover in Jerusalem. He meets Nicodemus in chapter 4. They're coming back. He meets a Samaritan woman. All these things happen. So, about a year passes. John is in custody. They have arrested John the Baptist. And Jesus has been preaching. He's been teaching. He's been healing. He's been doing some things. But now, Mark says, his ministry is taking a very full, head on public persona. He's coming all out. And John says this He came into Galilee, which is his home area, and he began. To preach or to proclaim. The word preach, I told you a couple of weeks ago, it's a very technical term. It has to do with a specific message. He began to preach or proclaim the gospel, or if you have the NIV, the good news of God. Now, I told you a couple of weeks ago when we looked at the very first verse, it says that Mark writes, this is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus. It's the gospel about Jesus. The gospel of Jesus has the continuity and context of being about someone. Here, the gospel of God speaks of the source or that the gospel originated with God. The difference has to do with some things in Greek grammar. You don't care. I obviously didn't care as a result of my grades in Greek. So, you know, it just has to do. The gospel about Jesus comes from God. Okay? It's good news, it matters. And here's what Jesus began to say. Here's what he was preaching or proclaiming. Time has been fulfilled. The kingdom is at hand or near. Now, time matters. We all know that time is important. I'm at a time, I'm at an age where time becomes more important every day, you know. And there's several ways we look at time. One way we look at time is by keeping, you know, idea of time on our watch, or, or something's happening at a certain time. Our worship services are at 8:30. 9.45, 11 o'clock, at a specific time. There's a Greek word for that. The word is chronos. Our word chronology, uh, chronometer comes from that. Keeping a specific time. There's also the concept of time as an event. Later on today, there'll be some football games. Uh, The team I follow, the Cowboys, started at 11 o'clock. We got a worship service at 11 o'clock. There's a conflict uh, of what'll happen. But when when, um, I will get home to watch the game... I'm going to think something, well, it's about time that I got to see this. I'm not talking about time on a watch. I'm talking about the events. It's about time for this event. Something's going right. So it's, it has to do with that. Sometimes we speak back in my day, back in my time, when, back in the time when I was young. So we're talking about something, and the Greek word for that is kairos, and that's the word used here. It's about an event. Jesus says an event has been fulfilled, completed, matched up. The word fulfilled means it it, it has come and it has lasting ramifications to it. What what is it that the epic of it has been completed and it's going to have lasting ramifications, a lasting meaning for us? What is it? Well, he says it's the kingdom of God. It's at hand. It's near to us. It's what the kingdom is all about. The kingdom now is here. And in Galilee, they can look around and say, how is it here? Because we don't, we don't see a Messiah with an army. We don't see the Romans being defeated. We don't see anything like what we've been taught and what we believe. And yet Jesus says, in contrast to all that they taught, the kingdom is right now. Here's the thing. Time and kingdom point to a special moment that matters. It is pointing to a special moment. That moment is Jesus being there. The secret is, what is that moment and how do we respond? He's going to tell us what that moment is next and how we respond. The kingdom is here. That's the moment. Now, what is it and how to respond? He says this, repent and believe in the gospel. The word repent, we saw that a couple of weeks ago when John was preaching. I've talked to you about it many times. It's an important word. It doesn't mean to have sorrow. It doesn't mean to feel bad. It means to have a change of heart and mind. It speaks of a change in the direction of your life. You're going this way, and then you turn and go that way. In in the New Testament, you're walking in a way of rebellion against God. And you stop and you turn, and you no longer go that way. You go towards God. The Jewish people were heading towards a system. They had developed rules or regulations, a system that they created to come to God. And they had to repent of that and turn and go another way. Let me put it to you this way. I've used this illustration before. If you were born in Albuquerque, maybe you were born into a family that where the family, the mom and dad, and you know, and uncles and aunts and grandparents had all gone to the University of New Mexico. They were all Lobos. You grew up being a Lobo, Lobo fan. You had the, you know, the stuff in your room, the clothing. You were going to go there. Your parents took you to all the ball games. You know, your, your parents took you. You hated New Mexico State. You hated the Aggies. You were, you, were, you were going to go there, you know, your junior year in high school, you got accepted to UNM, and then something happened your senior year. In your senior year, for whatever reason, maybe you got a scholarship, maybe you, you came to your senses. who knows? You decided you're going to go to New Mexico State. And you, at that moment, reject going to UNM, and you accept going to NMSU. In that moment, you have repented. You have said... I'm not going to follow the path of evil. I'm going to turn, and I'm going to go this way. That is really what repentance is. It is a change in the course of one's life. If an atheist who's denied the existence of God all of a sudden believes in creation, they have repented. Now, to all of you University of New Mexico fans, I apologize to you for that illustration. If we were in Albuquerque, it would be the other way around. I'm from Texas. I go with the flow, man. That's how I live. He says you got to repent, but when you repent and turn away, you got to turn to something. Who do you turn to? Jesus. He says you have to believe in the gospel. The word believe is a verb in the Greek, and it's the verb "pistuo." the noun pistis means faith. Believe and faith are the same thing. Once a noun, once a verb. It essentially means to trust, to give over to something. To, to take your life and hand it over. And we are to believe in the gospel, the good news. Now, we know from earlier in Mark that the gospel is about Jesus. But at this point, all it's about really is about Jesus coming. Now, from our perspective, we know it's the gospel is about his death and resurrection. In fact, Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that the gospel is simply this, that Jesus died for our sins according to the scripture, was buried, and was raised on the third day. According to the scriptures, to us, gospel is the death and the resurrection of Jesus, which that message has implication for us to have eternal life. Back then, it was simply trusting Jesus. And it's still really just trusting Jesus. And so we understand that he is saying, the kingdom is this. The kingdom is that you repent of your own way of life. You turn from that system. And you follow me. And that's the moment he was preaching. Here's the thing. Jesus preached for the moment. That's what he preached for. He was preaching for that moment, for the moment we live in. He preached for the moment we would trust him with our life. That's really what it was about. I mean, you, you know, the, the message of Christ, the ministry of Christ, and we, you know, we, we, can, we can configure it in so many different ways. and you know, there's so many things, and I get that. It's really simple, though, when all is said and done. Jesus' ministry and his message was simply this. You've got to turn away from following your way of doing things and give your life to me. And you do that in a moment, in a moment in time. For a moment, I want you to use your imagination a little bit. And I want us to think back to life in the time of Jesus. And what it would be like for us. And when, when I think about my life, how, how do I take my life here and how do I give something that corresponds to that back in the Jesus day? Well, I would be in Galilee and I would be a rabbi and I would be 58 years of age. And, at, and this is the part we have to use your imagination here. And back then, I would be highly respected and I would be honored as a 58-year-old rabbi. I just would be. I mean, I would, I, people would come to me. They would trust me. I would be connected to a really big synagogue, a synagogue with a lot of influence. I would be considered a man of great wisdom. I would. I mean, you might have, not now, but back then, I would. And I would have an unbelievable knowledge of the Old Testament, and I would have an unbelievable grasp of the Jewish system. I would know those 613 rules. I would make it my mission in life to keep them, to teach them, to help others do that. I have a love for God. I'm not, I'm not a Pharisee. I'm not caught up in the politics. I love the people. I, I care about people. I love God. But I am trying to get to God through the system that we have created. And I'm looking so forward to the kingdom of God. I, I am so looking forward to this Roman dominance to end and for the Messiah. I want the Messiah. I'm looking for the Messiah. I'm praying for the Messiah come establish his kingdom. And there's this guy I've heard about who's half my age, basically, named Jesus. And he's from Nazareth. And he's close to where I'm from because I'm from in the area of Galilee. And we're all in the same area. And so I'm thinking, this guy, he's preaching. I heard he's, he's done some miracles. Let's bring him to the synagogue. And he comes to the synagogue. And he opens up the scriptures, which, you know, we call the Old Testament. But back then, it's just scriptures. And he began teaching from them. And when he teaches, it's amazing. He has an unbelievable grasp. He understands this stuff better than I do. Afterwards, I invite him over to my house. And we begin talking about the scriptures. And he begins sharing things. And his his understanding of the word of God is amazing. And then we begin talking about the kingdom of God. And all of a sudden, when he talks about the kingdom of God, he starts starts taking apart all my beliefs. When he talks about the Messiah, he he destroys everything that I've believed. And all of a sudden... I find that everything I believe Jesus has challenged it and he said is wrong. And yet, as frustrated as I am, I know this that everything he has said so far makes so much sense. It seems like that's how God would really do things. And I'm at this point where I have to ask as I look at this guy, <clears throat> what will I do with Jesus? I mean, what will I do with him? Because, listen, the things I want, he talks about, them. he does. I I want to be right with God. I do. I'm a rabbi. I love God. I I want my sins forgiven. I mean, I really do. I, I want to be a part of the kingdom. But here's the thing. Jesus is telling me all the stuff. He's offered me everything I wanted, just not the way I want it. I mean, I want it to be a way that I've learned it. I want... Messiah, if it's Jesus, I'm fine. I'm cool with that. I want him to get an army and go beat the Romans. I hate them people. And I want him to establish that kingdom. I want that, but he says, that's not the way it's going to be. And all of a sudden, I'm conflicted. Because everything he says makes sense. And everything I've believed, and everything I've taught, and everything I've tried to do, all of a sudden is wrong. And at that moment, I realized that I'm at a critical point in my life. So here's the question. What will I do in that moment? In that moment, what will I do? So here's the thing. All of us at some point come to that moment. That moment where what we really want is legit. And Christ has it just not the way we wanted it not just not the way we've been taught i mean you're here listen if you're here most likely you want to get right with god i mean you do you 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 maybe you've come because you know you and god are at odds and you don't want to like be in odds with god maybe maybe you haven't been a part of church in a long time or you've never been a part of church and you started coming here recently because somehow you know you've got to get right with god but <laughs> you just don't know how to do it and to be honest, you're not really into a system of doing things. You just want to find finally get right with God. You want your sins to be forgiven. Who doesn't want their sins forgiven? I, I want to feel forgiveness. I know I make mistakes. I mean, I want eternal life. Who doesn't want that? Listen, even a, I know atheists who say, you know, there's no such thing as eternal life. But when I talk to my friends, you say, are you really comfortable with that? Do you want to be eternal life? they were like, yeah, I wish there was. They don't like the idea that when they die, it's over. I mean, they want to know if it was possible they could live on. They just don't believe it. There's all these things. And the truth is, what mostly is offered to people is just a bunch of systems. A religion, that's what it is Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, atheism, you know, New Age movement, whatever it is, Scientology, it's all a bunch of systems. And they want something more than that, and there is something more than that. Listen, it would be so easy, and this is what we try to do sometimes in Christianity. We try to come, and we try to make the system really simple. We'll say, like, here's what you got to do. you got to believe. Here are five things you need to believe, all right? Believe that God exists. Believe that he created everything. Somehow, we're not concerned about how, just believe it. Believe that he gives us his Bible, and the Bible's helpful. Believe that Jesus came into the world and they believe Jesus died and he rose back. Just believe it. In your mind, admit that's true. It'll be okay. And that's what people say, okay, but it doesn't work. Or sometimes we'll tell people there's just certain things you can do. And people say, tell me what to do. Okay, be baptized. You don't even have to be dunked. You could be sprinkled. In fact, we'll take you out in the rain. And when it's raining, I'll put my hand on you to make it legitimate. You know, Dr. Pearl has put his hand on me. It must be a real baptism. You know, We'll, we'll make it right. Come to church some. You know, you got a Bible? Get a Bible and read it once in a while. Pray when things are rough. You know, be nice to people. Do good things. Don't kill anybody and you'll be okay. See, we just do some things. That's what we keep trying to set up. And none of that works. Because what Jesus did was this. He said, here's what you got to do. You got to repent of all of that junk you got to cast all that chunk aside and repent of all of that. It's not that believing things isn't important. We'll get to that. It's not that you don't do certain things. We'll get to that. But none of that saves you. If you think all that saves you, you're wrong. You repent of all that. And then you just give your life to me. And you trust me with your life. That's what it is. And that's all it is. Jesus came for that one moment Listen to this. He came for the one moment when you would give your life to him. And for some of you, that moment has arrived. What will you do with Jesus? That moment in your life has arrived. So what will you do with Jesus? The thing to do is to repent of sin. To to take all the systems In all the work you've been doing. in all the good things you've tried to accumulate and pile up over here. And come to real life. That isn't going to make you right with God. And to take all of that and say, I'm going to leave all of that behind. (laughs) You know, I'm 58. I spent a lot of time getting all that ready, right? I said, none of that's going to work. And I turn away from that, and there's Jesus. Who came into this world. Who went to a cross and died for me. Who God raised back to life. And he just says, come here. Take your life, and you give it to me, and I'll save you. And that's so simple, but it's so hard, because we want to have a part of it. We want to say, okay, but Jesus, can't I do just a little bit? Can't, can't I do one or two really cool, good things to make you happy? It's like, no. Can't, can't I just go back to that time I was in vacation Bible school, and I, and I made that really cool thing for my mom, you know, with the pottery and all that? No. Can I go back to that time at camp where, you know, on on that night where everybody went forward, I went forward with everybody else, and and I gave my life, and even though I didn't know what I was doing, I didn't really mean it, it looked good because lots of people saw me, and they patted me on the back, and everybody cried. Can I just do that event? Can that count? He says, no, none of that counts because you didn't do the one thing that I require. You didn't give your life to me. See, all Jesus wants from you is your life. That's why he came. For that moment, that moment when you give your life to Jesus. So here's the thing. That moment has arrived. That moment where you trust Christ with everything you have and say, my life is yours. Won't you take that moment now and give your life to Jesus? In just a moment, we're going to sing a song. And during that song, some of us will be here. And if you want to come forward to us and say, you know what? The moment has come. The time is now. I'm going to repent and believe in Jesus. You come and talk to us and we'll talk you through it and we'll help you with it. Or if you just say, look, I've done it. I've given my life to Christ. I, just, I was sitting there and when David was talking. I just did it. And I meant every part of it. You come tell us because here's the thing. When you walk out of this place today. You walk out of here having experienced the only moment in your life that ever matters. The moment you give your life to Christ. So, Father, thank you for what we have for Christ. We know there's so many things that matter. We know eventually, Lord, all the things we believe matters. I get that. And we know that the things you want us to do in life. You want us to worship and tell other people we get all of that. We know that, God. But the most important thing we do, the only thing that matters until at all is that moment, God, that Jesus talked about. The moment when we repent and we believe the gospel. So God, here's what I pray. There are some right now who need to repent and to believe. This is their moment. Call them to that moment. Help them turn away from sin and to believe in Jesus and to trust him with with their life so that they can experience the greatest moment of all, the moment when we are right with you and we are saved for all eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? We'll be here to greet you.